Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Very happy to have you with us again today and thank you for tuning in. It's wonderful to be able to come together and uh, study the Word of God and understand how to give ourselves to Him in everything what we do. We are uh, the end of uh, a series of uh, Bible studies, Making Friends for God. And today we are going to talk more in particular about stepping in faith to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to introduce my panel for today, and uh, I would like to welcome Will. Thank you for being able to come with us, Will. It's a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you, Nick. Brenton, good to have you with us also. Thank you, Nick. It's always a pleasure to share God's Word and, and to not only ourselves as panel, but our listeners to grow in the understanding and following of God's Word. Beautiful. Lydia, it's good to have you with us again. Yeah, I'm very privileged. I feel very privileged to be here today for the Bible study. And Len, also thank you for joining us. Thank you for your welcome, Nick, and hello, listeners. I would like to have a special uh, welcome for Marek. Marek is also our facilitator for today. Uh, Good to have you with us, Marek. Thank you for joining us. Delighted to be here. As I said, uh, it's a... Beautiful uh, Bible study today because uh, we'll emphasize a lot on our relationship, our faith, our our beliefs in Jesus Christ. And Marek, would you be able to take us through, please? Wonderful. It's been a very inspiring uh, study this week, a step in faith, a very challenging theme, uh, one that is key to our spiritual development and growth. We live in a turbulent world one that is characterized by doubt and skepticism. This is evident everywhere in the world of politics, in our social interactions, including in the, uh, the spiritual sphere. Yet the Bible invites each one of us, every human being, to aim for a higher existence, the highest potential in life, and that is to be like Jesus Christ and to be one with God. There is no greater challenge and no greater reward. And so as we look at this week's study, I want to remind you that if you have missed any of the topics that we have studied this quarter, or if you would like to follow today's discussion, it's uh, easy for you to go to uh, an online site from which you can download a copy of the Adult Bible Study Guide resource, All you need to do is to go to absg.adventist.org and from there you can download your own free uh, study guide. Uh, Alternatively, you can always look up a local Seventh-day Adventist church and join them for a discussion of these topics on a Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. I am sure that they will not only provide you with a free copy of the study guide, but they will warmly welcome you to be a part of their study group. So I invite you to our study this morning. And before we proceed, I would like to invite Len, if you would kindly lead us in a word of prayer. Our dear Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to open your word and see you how you have dealt with sinful human beings such as ourselves. And what a privilege it is to know that you love us. And we pray today that as we share this Bible study with our listeners, that you will give us the words to say your words, Lord, and that the Holy Spirit 
will help us as presenters and that the listeners might gain a real benefit from this study of your Holy Bible. So we want to commit ourselves and our listeners to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for your prayer. As we look at the topic, A Step in Faith, we want to emphasize the centrality and the importance of faith in our spiritual existence. There is a wonderful passage of scripture found in Hebrews 11.6, which focuses on the role of faith. I'm wondering, panel, if um, you could read, panel members, if you could read that text for us, please. I'll read it for you. It's Will here. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. May I comment that um, anyone that wants to come to the Lord God should know that he exists and that he rewards those that uh, sincerely seek him. Every Christian desires a greater measure of faith, I believe, But Jesus said that having the faith the size of a mustard seed could allow God to move mountains out of your way. But then after the storm at the sea, on the sea, he admonishes his disciples for their lack of faith. So I ask, is their faith really smaller than the mustard seed and uh, perhaps measured in the minuscule uh, atomic measurements? You see, if Jesus says we have to have faith, then we we really are bothered if our faith is not even the size of a mustard seed. So I think, Marek, we need to aspire to ask God to give us greater faith. Wonderful. Thank you. We need to believe that God exists. This this week, just walking through my garden, watching the beautiful tulips open up, watching other plants flower and trees green, I can't help but always praise God and acknowledge him that he does exist when I see the beauty that surrounds us. But uh, the first question I want to put to you uh, as panel members is a very personal one. Your very presence here today attests to the fact that at some point in your life, you made a decision to step out in faith and to place your trust in God. Would you briefly share that experience in a sentence or two and share what difference it has made to you in your life? At one stage, I was in business. I was in the car business, and most business is conducted on a Saturday morning. But because I wanted to keep God's commandments, I used to close everything down before 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday and uh, would not open again until Monday morning. Some other people in similar businesses I spoke to from time to time, and at one stage they were saying, oh, it's, it's very bad at the moment. There's hard, we're getting hardly any customers. You know what? I was flat out, and I believe the Lord blessed me in simply exercising faith in, in his promises, and uh, we had more than enough business to, to do, despite the fact we were not open on the best business time. Saturday morning. Mm, That's a great experience. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I would like to uh, comment, um, Marek, regarding our shift to a country parish this year. 
Last year, Lurleen and myself, my dear wife and I, we had been in the metropolitan area for some 10 years at one church and various others as well. We were invited to go to a country parish down in the south of the state and I must admit that I got up one morning, Murrick, and I took a pen and paper. I wrote down the pros and cons of staying in Adelaide and the pros and cons of shifting to this area. At the end of it, I could not make a clear decision based on what I had uh, put on the paper as to where God would want me to be. So we continued to pray about it. The call came for us to accept the, the appointment here in the south of the state. And uh, now that we're here, we are in no doubt whatsoever that uh, God wanted us to be here. Sometimes I feel a little bit like Abraham. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank you. Anyone else? I would just like to add to those uh, beautiful testimonies there. And myself relates a little bit with what Len has shared when I make a decision uh, to step in faith and uh, keep the Sabbath day as holy and worship God. Just a bit of background quickly. I uh, left my uh, home when I was 14 years old because uh, my mother was a newborn Christian and she was very much bullied in the, in the culture there with a very traditional Orthodox background. And I didn't want to do anything with that. You know, I want to just flee as far as I could from there because as a young kid, yeah, I I could feel those effects. And I went into the city, take the world, as you say, into my chest and experience all sorts of things. But after I was uh, called in the army to serve in the army as a compulsory thing back in Romania, I've been impressed to give my life to God. Before that, I used to be involved in show business. And uh, when I came back from the army with that conviction that I need to change my life, I decided not to go back to the show business and I go to do my job, which I was trained for. And I was working on Sabbath, but uh, I was prompted that I need to make a step in faith. And when one Friday morning, I told my uh, supervisor that I'm not going to come to work on uh, the next day, which was the Sabbath, he straight away went to the, in the office to the manager and presented the, to them my decision. And they came back and said, if you don't come tomorrow, you better not come on Monday. And uh, I took that step in faith. And I left that day knowing that I lost my job. Now, it was a reasonably well-paid job. And the previous job was a very well-paid job. But I want to say here that all those monies which I earn because I earned myself in the, those days like three or four salaries, like a normal salary. I was working in art furniture, and um, I earned good money, but not one dollar I could, or one, uh, the, the, the currency in Romania, I could save from a pay to the other. And when I left that day, knowing that I lost my job, driving with a friend of mine to his country little church, in the same day, God provided me with another job. But that job which God gave me was much less paid, was less than a half of the normal pay, and I had to travel from the city to the country, and I thought, what am I going to do? 
And to give you just an idea, I used to earn before like 5,000, let's say in whatever currency. To the job which I left, I earned about 2,500. And the job I was offered, I, I was offered 800. Those 800 last me more in pay to pay than the previous ones. Mm-hmm. And this story I can share more, but it's not time now. Mm-hmm. How important was to understand that what you can get with God's blessings is more than you can get on your own. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Nick. It's, uh, it's, it's wonderful that when we trust God, he will never, ever allow us to go hungry yes. um, and, and in need. And, uh, and this is the interesting thing, that when we look at the Bible, it is replete with stories of people who stepped out in faith. In the Old Testament, there is a long list of names, beginning with Adam, Enoch, Abraham, and Moses. For all of these individuals, faith was a key and decisive element in their life. And as we read these stories, we find them to build our faith and, and to be a true inspiration. Likewise, in the New Testament, the list is also very extensive. It includes many and varied people from very diverse walks of life. Uh, Those that were poverty affectors, sinners, the rich, the religious. So we can look at the blind beggar Bartimaeus who stepped out in faith. Never looked back on that, I'm sure. The cripple at the pool of Bethesda. The demoniacs of Gadara. The many, many sinners and prostitutes with whom Christ associated, who looked up to him and, and trusted their lives to him. Of course, there are the rich folk like Matthew and Zacchaeus, uh, two wealthy tax collectors. And there were many religious leaders, Pharisees, who stepped out in faith. But then we also have a group of fishermen who became the disciples of Jesus. And of course, there is one who became a very prolific writer in the New Testament, the influential Saul, who later came to be known as Paul. These are some of the cases, illustrations and, and, and personalities that we want to have a look at. But before we consider some of these interesting characters, we need to acknowledge that Christianity would not be what it is without the central figure of the one who is the head of our Christian faith, Jesus Christ. There is no other individual in all of human history who influenced the course of this planet like Jesus did. We live today in AD 2020, some 2,000 years since he walked upon the earth, but it is impossible to imagine history without his presence. And so we come to a very interesting passage of scripture as our first for reflection. Uh, It brings us to a passage that has sometimes been labeled as the Song song of Christ, written by none other than the zealous Pharisee who became a faithful follower of Christ, Apostle Paul. That scripture is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Len, would you be kind enough to read that scripture for us, please? I'd love to. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you. There have been many sermons preached and articles written about that passage of Scripture, but I'm wondering, Brendan, would you kindly put that, uh, explain that passage of Scripture to us in a way that, uh, that would help us relate to it and understand exactly what it is uh, that Christ sacrificed? Well, going back to what Len read, uh, Mark, starting in verse 6, who being in very nature God, the Greek word for that is morphe, M-O-R-P-H-E. It actually means inward or essentially the same. So really what um, Paul is saying here is that Jesus, as God, was in the very essence the same as God. Therefore, it's logical to come to the conclusion that because he didn't uh, grasp at equality with God, he would not have been able to do that, Marek, had he not been God. He would have been aspiring to a position beyond his um, station in life. So he was aspiring to something or not aspiring to something where there was an equality already with God. Others are going to comment on uh, the reasons for this, but really you need to go back to verse 3. If you don't mind, I'll just read verse 3 of the same chapter. Before then came, it says this, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. In simple everyday language, Marek, that simply means we are to esteem others as superior to ourselves. And you and I know, and our panel knows, that this is the absolute, the absolute antithesis of current modern thinking. The uh, current modern thinking is that self is supreme in all things. Here, we're being told that Christ set the perfect example by going from where he was, equal with God, to doulos, a slave. And Paul is saying, if you want to be like Christ, you need to emulate what Christ did. Thank you. It's amazing to uh, identify himself with humanity. Yes. He took on the form of a human being. And not only that, but he came not as a prince, but he came as a humble servant. Yes. And it's, uh, it's fascinating when we, when we consider that because if he came with any semblance of outward show of riches and grandeur, would the poor classes identify with him? They probably wouldn't. Some men would have followed him purely on account of his outward appearance. He would have been attractive to them. But in doing so, they would have followed him without exercising faith. And there, as he came as a humble servant, addressing the needs of humanity, the Scriptures tells us that he came and there was no beauty in him. People followed him, but they followed him on account of faith. Len, you would like to comment? Yes, to get some idea of the extent of what Jesus did, probably a good parallel would be this, and it's probably not really quite sufficient. Worms are a pretty lowly life form. And I would make a comparison of a human being being willing to become a worm in order to save worms. Mm. Now, I think what Jesus did, he stepped down even lower than that. 
He stepped down from being God to a human being, which is a huge thing. And this gives us some idea of the extent of the love of God in order to save lost human beings. Right. Wonderful. It brings us to that point that you've just mentioned. There is one element there that characterized the thinking of Christ, his mindset. It was the essence of Jesus' thinking, his self-sacrificial love. Will, would you be kind of enough to comment on that a little bit more? What was the motivating factor in, in everything that Christ did here? Marek, in, in an age of selfish interest and self-seeking, the uh, example of Jesus' life is a sermon in itself. Jesus' whole bias was to live a life of self-sacrificial love. Now, to us, this shows that for us to be true followers of the Savior means that we should aspire to learn to love as he loved, serve as he served, and minister as he ministered. I think it means allowing Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, to empty us as well, empty us of selfish ambition, uh, that, uh, and it will cost us something. It certainly cost Jesus everything. But Scripture says of Jesus, um, therefore, God has also highly exalted him and giving him the name which is above every other name. I think that um, just viewing the life and the self-sacrificing love of Jesus should be a strong motivating factor in our lives to live the same. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Obviously, God acknowledged the sacrifice that Christ made and elevated him to the highest position. I'm mindful of the passage of Scripture in the New Testament that those who will be choose to be servants will be elevated in a similar manner. God promises us the same kind of a reward. Any other comments uh, in terms of, uh, of this passage that we have looked at? Marek, there's an interesting comment that comes to mind in regard to what Will has just said. When Christ came to this earth, we understand something called the Great Controversy. In heaven, Satan, who was known as Lucifer at that point in time, believed that God made no self-sacrifice himself, and yet he expected others, the angels, for instance, to sacrifice to be uh, subservient to one another, and yet God was not willing to do any of that. Now, for those of our listeners who want to know more on this subject, there are books such as Patriarchs and Prophets, uh, The Story of Redemption, which are other materials that people can purchase online or through Adventist book centres, and these will explain these details a little more. I would suggest to you that Christ, in coming to this earth and making himself a slave, demonstrated beyond any doubt to not only those angels who had fallen, was indeed a God of love and a totally self-sacrificing God. He was going to and did do something that was the absolute wonder of the universe. Nobody could really understand how the Godhead, one of the members of the Godhead, could descend to this level. And I think that answers the question once and for all, is God a self-sacrificing God? Is a God of love? Yes. The answer to those are emphatically yes. Mm, wonderful. The wonderful example of Christ was an inspiration to many other individuals. And so let's focus for a moment on several examples of New Testament characters who stepped out in faith and see what was the result. 
There is a passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. Nick, would you kindly share that passage of scripture with us, please? I will be more than happy to do that, Marek. And here is the story of the first disciples. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Or some other translation will say, I will make you fishers of men. Right, right. their nets at once and followed him. Now, that was a step in faith to uh, leave behind their own source of livelihood and, uh, and to follow someone who offered to make them fishers of men. Mm. Uh, I wonder if, uh, if these two characters really understood <laughs> what they were in for. Uh, but Nick, just the, the next two verses... Matthew chapter 4, 21 and 22 speaks of another two brothers that were called in a similar way. Would you continue to read verses 21 and 22? Sure. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come to follow him. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. And it's so interesting, as you just said, uh, Marek, these two groups of people, they were kind of related, in, particularly in their business. They're all fishermen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that was a very successful business back in those days. And they had to choose to leave behind not only their source of income, but their lifestyle, let's put it this way. They may have plenty, they were, you know, had enough. We can compare today with uh, all sorts of businesses to leave behind everything. That was a big fate. And what I believe, because this occurs after about a year while uh, Peter and Andrew get accounted with Jesus. And this is the, this is what impresses me even more because it's not that when we hear for the first time about Jesus, we are asked to leave everything behind and follow him. It's about when we make that decision and step in faith to go and work for God in faith, believing that he will provide everything what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Len, you've got to comment. Well, the question is, did they just have blind faith or not? If it was blind faith, well, <laughs> it's a pretty, a pretty risky business. But I believe that um, all four of these young men, or these men who Jesus called, knew something about him beforehand, because it's highly likely that um, they were already disciples of John. John preached a message of repentance, but he also said, that somebody was coming after him who was greater than him, referring to Jesus. Mm. When Jesus called these men, it says they did it straight away. They followed him straight away. Why? Well, actually, back in those times, Jesus was recognized as a rabbi, and it was a privilege, probably the highest privilege 
that anybody could have to be called to follow a rabbi. Now, this carries over into our times. It is a privilege to be called by God to honour and serve him. We probably don't see it as so much as a privilege, but it is. And these men straight away forsook what they were doing and went and followed Jesus. Thank you. Very clearly, we have evidence that these men must have heard Christ speak, were impressed and sensed a calling to uh, to a higher ministry. Uh, so it wasn't uh, blind faith as, as such. Did they fully understand the implications of responding to the call, to the invitation of Christ? Will, what, what's your opinion? I think to step out in faith like this without knowing the future requires a lot of faith indeed. <clears throat> we might call it blind faith if we wish, but it was really trust in God. Uh, I think that they would each have known of people in the Old Testament. Did Abraham know where he was going when he was called? What about Joseph when he was uh, going to Egypt as a slave in loneliness after trying to serve God and then sitting in prison wondering where this was all going but still willing to keep faith and follow God? We've got magnificent examples in the Old Testament. And these men, um, even though they couldn't see the future, even though they didn't know that this would ultimately cost them their lives, um, were willing to follow God. The lesson for me personally here, Marek, is why do we always want to know the future? Why should we have everything mapped out for us by faith? I think that we should follow God, trusting that he will lead us where he wants to lead us. Mm-hmm. Very clearly, uh, there must have been a desire in their heart to follow Christ. And when that opportunity presented itself, uh, there was no question in their minds. They dropped what they were doing and uh, and followed Christ. Now, interestingly, we've focused on uh, the examples of, of the disciples uh, being called, uh, these men being called. Uh, Lydia, I, I'm wondering, can you think of any examples of women who stepped out in faith in a similar manner? Does the Bible provide us uh, examples of women? Would you like to comment on that? Of course, there are women that stepped out in faith. I can uh, recall the woman of the well, when she had that interaction with Jesus, Her the Holy Spirit touched her heart and she just went in faith and called all the other people to come and see Messiah, the one who knows her past, present and future. Mary Magdalene, in the day of the resurrection, together with uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome, they went in faith at the tomb to find Jesus. And uh, also we uh, know about Lydia, the result of Paul's ministry. And I would like to say that all these people, that they stepped out in faith, I do believe that their hearts were touched by the Holy Spirit in stepping out in faith. Mm, thank you. Always impressed by uh, by the role of women in Christ's ministry, uh, and also in, in the ministry of the uh, of the newly established uh, Christian Church. So uh, both men and women serve as wonderful illustrations of uh, of stepping out in faith. Deep within all of our hearts, there is a longing for something more in life. 
we too want to live for something worthwhile, for a grander, nobler purpose. Hence, Christ calls us, like Matthew, to follow him. Mm. Now, Mm. I've heard an expression uh, which says everyone has a God-shaped hole in their heart. When I was studying psychology, the lecturer said everybody has a need to worship. And I believe that this need to worship is something which lifts us to a higher plane, that we encounter God, and when we realize who God is and what he's like, uh, we have a natural desire to want to be like him. Mm. Of course, there's somebody else messing things up, and that's Satan who degrades people, but God wants to elevate people to a higher plane, and we have a an inbuilt desire to attain that. Right. Thank you. Nick, uh, would you like to comment? Yeah. I would like to just uh, clarify the, something here very quickly about the discipleship, because we're talking about uh, all these men who follow Jesus, and we talked about blind faith and all those things. Simply, I would like to say this. What is a disciple? What is the definition of a disciple? A disciple is someone who watches and follows his master. These people, men and women, they must have seen what Jesus was doing in his life. And when Jesus called them, say, come and I'll make you this, uh, fishers of men, they were driven by the same love Jesus had for humanity. And they wanted to be part of that call. I would like to quickly recall to the analogy which Len used a bit earlier about us or worms. Now, that's to the extreme because uh, I would like to say this just to, to kind of understand the difference what Jesus made for us all. But I, I don't like to use that uh, illustration necessarily because of this. We were created in the image of God. God didn't come to serve something insignificant. God came to save us who were created in his image. And I think this is crucial to understand that we are called to be disciples, to contribute with Jesus in the salvation of all other people. You asked before, Nick, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who walks in the footsteps, in this case, of Jesus. Yeah, good. Thank you. I'm fascinated by another statement that we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. Uh, And there we read that God has put eternity in the hearts of every man and woman. There is something naturally inherent in our own makeup where we are searching constantly for purpose and meaning and we are searching for higher spiritual fulfillment. And I think it's that that drives men and women to turn towards God, to serve him, to take up a much higher calling, a greater cause. Now, there is an unusual example of someone who not so much stepped out in faith, but was called by God. We have the example of Apostle Paul. And I'm wondering, Brendan, would you kindly read Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9, please? Certainly. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate Mm. nor drank. Incredible experience of conversion. You know, here is a zealous man who thought he was serving God by persecuting Christians, and all of a sudden he had an encounter with Jesus Christ himself, an encounter which changed his life forever. Len, what impresses you about the example of of the change that we see in Paul's life as a result of the encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus? Well, he was a white-collar criminal originally. Although he was well-educated, he was a white-collar criminal. Hmm. He was very proud and self-righteous, and he was responsible for the deaths and persecution of many true, faithful people to God. Really, if Paul was treated as he deserved, God would have zapped him. However, God saw potential in Paul. He was a man of zeal and enthusiasm, for the cause which he believed in. He didn't believe in the Christian cause at the beginning. He believed in the cause of the Jews, righteousness by works. But when he uh, had an encounter with Jesus, he changed sides. You know, I see something here which I hope is going to encourage our listeners. Listeners, you might have a past that you're not proud of. But God loves you and God is calling you too. And you may become great in his service when you submit to him, just like, say, the disciples did. And the case of Paul is a very dramatic case, but he was enthusiastic because he realized that God loved him and forgave him. Mm. Therefore, he did his utmost to serve in gratitude. Len, I like your experience. Uh, God would have zapped him. I'm sure there were many Christians who were praying and hoping that God would zap him. <laughs> I was so petrified and afraid of the man. But but look at the way God looks at, at us. You know, here is a man who was a murderer, basically. He had the blood of Christians on his hands. And yet God, in his miraculous way, turns this man around 180 degrees and he becomes uh, a completely devout, committed Christian who has shaped the course of Christianity. Absolutely amazing what God God can do with lives, sometimes lives that we see as being undesirable, uh, lives that we don't approve of, but yet God has a way. Paul's influence was credible, and all of that purely by grace, by the grace of God who forgave Paul and, uh, and led Paul to a different way of life. No matter how difficult things were, no matter how much persecution Paul suffered, there was nothing that would dissuade him from following Christ. 
And uh, it's an interesting account that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 to uh, 28. Brandon, would you kindly share that passage of Scripture? It's, it's a reflection of, of the kind of experiences Paul was exposed to. Yeah, Marek, before I read that, let me just make a brief comment uh, pertinent to what's just been said. Going back to Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, um, Ananias is told to go to Saul, and there God says to Ananias, I will show him what things he must suffer for my name's sake. Saul's future is outlined to Ananias uh, before he goes and places his hands on him and he receives his sight. I believe the lesson from that, Marek, is yes, we need faith, uh, but the faith is a progressive faith. God didn't show him all at once everything that he was going to suffer. When you read 2 Corinthians 11, which you've asked me to read, I would suggest that this is a number of years later, after that statement that was in chapter 9. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, Beside the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. This statement, contrasting with Acts chapter 9, I think shows the progression where God has shown him and where he has experienced through walking with the Lord that his life has been anything other than easy, easy Mark, mm. but his mm. confidence in God, his confidence in the message that he is presenting seems to be absolutely unshakable. It's incredible, the power of love and commitment uh, to service uh, yes. for Christ is, is, is incredible in the example of Paul. And then, of course, when he sits in prison, he says these words, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. But with confidence, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Yes. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. What a testimony, powerful testimony. Will, would you care to comment, what motivates all of these individuals, be it Paul, be it the apostles, what mo motivates them to such sacrificial love? You know, Paul himself says in Romans eight eighteen, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is uh, to be revealed to mm. us. Mm. By mm. faith, we look forward to being with the Lord. And um, I'd like to read 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ compels us yes. because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. The love of Christ compels us. You know, missionaries, witnesses, Christians, through the years, and uh, through the centuries, have been able to stand and uh, fortrightly face up against evil because the love of Christ has made a difference and compels them to a life that they wouldn't have chosen before they knew him. 
Thank you for that. We also see that love playing a very powerful role in the life of Peter. When Peter met the risen Savior on the shore of the lake and the two of them walked and talked, something there transpired that, uh, that had a very life-altering impact on, uh, on Peter. Uh, Len, would you kindly share with us John uh, chapter 21, 15 to 19 to highlight some of these points in Peter's lives? I read it from the New International Version, John 21 and 15 through to 18. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Mm. Now, I'd like to make one or two comments here. Firstly, Paul, the ex-Pharisee and ex-murderer, when he became a Christian and realized that God had forgiven him and called him, he did it with enthusiasm. Peter's story is a little bit different. Peter became a Christian, a follower of Christ, and then he had a lapse. He denied Christ. But later on, and this is probably the commencement of a big change in the life of Peter, he realized he was forgiven, and he then, with enthusiasm, represented Christ wherever he could. Mm -hmm. I want to point out something very interesting here. Jesus normally addressed Peter as Peter. He actually gave him the name Cephas, which means stone. Some people like to say that it means rock. It means strength. But when Jesus addresses Peter here, he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon Bar-Jonah or Bar-Jonas, which is the son of Jonah. He called him that name, I believe, because... Peter had shown a weakness. By calling him Peter was recognizing strength, but by calling him Simon was referring to his previous weakness in denying the Lord. And then when he called him Simon Bar-Jonah, we have the word John, but it's actually Jonah. If you remember Jonah's experience, Jonah was a prophet, but Jonah fled from the Lord until the Lord demonstrated that he was with uh, Jonah, and then he went and delivered the message he was supposed to deliver. So in this here, Christ um, sort of gave him a little subtle, a subtle lesson referring to his previous weakness. Now, my wife commented about this one time. She said, well, we don't read anywhere where it says Jesus forgave Peter, but he did. He did it without actually saying words. He recognized that Peter was sorry for his sin and he treated him so beautifully and so gently. And here's another lesson for you, listeners. Sometimes you might fall in your Christian experience. 
That doesn't mean to say you're finished. God is always ready to pick you up, to forgive you, and to reinstate you. Mm, thank you. I also find the point very inspiring that right there, during that walk, Christ made a very clear illusion as to how Peter would die. Yes. A sacrificial death. And yet Peter did not balk at that. He did not question that. His commitment was as strong as ever, knowing what was awaiting him at the other end. He was a faithful follower of Christ and the preacher of the gospel until that moment when he was hung on the cross, and he chose not to hang on the cross in the way his master did, and it was at his request that he was crucified upside down, as tradition tells us. And virtually all of the apostles and early Christian leaders died for their faith. Skeptics might question Christianity's roots and genuineness, but how do we explain the fact that millions throughout the ages have died for their faith? Would they have died for some kind of a misguided religious cause. Today, thousands are persecuted for their faith. The skeptic may choose to question the reality of the life of Christ, but goodness me, from looking at these examples here, we can see that none of the eyewitnesses of the life and resurrection of Christ would raise a question uh, as to the reality of his, uh, of his existence. Uh, these were not invented accounts. They were uh, reports that forever changed the encounters, uh, the lives of those who came into an encounter with Christ. Uh, Ligia, in, in bringing our discussion to a conclusion, would you kindly share with us uh, a passage of Scripture from 1 John uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 20? How is that love expressed in our lives? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, we read, This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity of him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love his with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And uh, we, I would like also to read John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus dies to save us. And Paul encouraging us that God's love is his example for us. And uh, in chapter 4 of 1 John, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. So to follow Jesus' example, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So this is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through him. So this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an astounding sacrifice for our sin. Since God so loved us, we we also ought to love one another. 
Okay. So this is a, a very good example for us to love one another in this selfish world, to follow Jesus' example as Jesus did, to be the feet of Jesus, to be the hands of Jesus, to be the eyes and the ears and the mouth of Jesus in our days as we live in this society, to help one another, to love one another dearly. Mm. Love finds its expression in action. It's, it's beautifully uh, demonstrated in these passages of Scripture. Love should motivate us, Marek, <clears throat> panel, and listener, to serve one another and serve mankind because Jesus loves us. Mm. I would like to add here a couple of things. As I mentioned at the beginning, we are uh, studying together how to make friends for God. And many times in our own experience, and we may hear around people talking about that, I need to give up this or that, those bad things in our life. Actually, it's not a matter of giving up the bad things in our life. It's a matter of giving up the good things, which may obstruct us of following Jesus fully. Jesus gave up not bad things in heaven to come to us here and to rescue us. Jesus gave up everything. My point today is that if we are called to follow Jesus, to be his disciples, we are called to contribute to the salvation of humanity. And we are called to give up everything what stays in our ways to do that. Today we are, we are talking about stepping in faith. For many of us probably we are not able to step up in faith just because of the concerns of life, just because of the reasons in our life thinking, but what's about tomorrow? Live behind those things and trust in Jesus fully. We talked about Peter and how Jesus reinstated him even after he denied Jesus so many times. I would like to point out this. You may have desperately failed Jesus your Savior, your Lord. You may have denied him by your actions more than once. The good news is that the grace of God is still available. And God is not done with you yet. This is still in place in his work for you, if you are willing to give your life to Jesus. It's in the little things that we do, in the way that we share our lives with others, that ultimately shows the overflowing of God's love through us, and it's that that helps us to make friends for God. We serve a loving and personal God, one who understands our struggles and our desires. He extends his loving hand to each one of us and says, Trust me, I have your well-being in mind. I want to offer you a better life, both here and in the future. Come walk with me. The step of faith begins when we reject our alternative trusts and gods, and turn to God asking for a relationship with him on the basis of what Jesus has done, on the basis of his example, not on the basis of our own moral efforts and achievements. Initially, our faith may be weak, but we need to remember that it's not the strength of our faith, but it is the object of our faith that makes all the difference. I love a, a statement that Tim Keller makes in the book, The Reason for God, where he says, strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to a weak faith in a strong branch. Christ is that strong branch. May we always place our faith and trust 
in the wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. As we bring our study to a conclusion, Brenton, may I ask you to lead out in prayer? We want to pray for our dear listeners and pray for ourselves and ask that God will kindle a desire to follow him and that he will help us to make that step, step in faith, accepting him as our Savior, accepting him as our model uh, for life. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of being your friend. First and foremost, we have been studying about making friends for God. But in order to make friends for God, first and foremost, we must be your friend. I pray, Lord, that you will see us in the same way that you saw Abraham. Abraham was described as being the friend of God. May that be our experience as a panel and also as listeners. Uh, That friendship comes about from walking with you day by day. My prayer today for our listeners and for us as a panel is that in walking with God day by day, people may come to see us as a friend of God, not only a friend of God, but a friend with God. And in so doing, Lord, may we be friends with those around about us because the whole of the human family are encompassed by Christ's wonderful sacrifice and his amazing grace that he has given to us as a result of his death on Calvary. That grace is sufficient for every single person to become a friend of God. My prayer today is that each of us, as we walk today and into the future, my prayer is that we will not only walk with God, but that we will be a friend of God and that we will draw others to become friends with him too. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful and gracious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone, uh, for your input. Uh, it was really a journey to study together, to learn how to make friends for God. And uh, I believe that um, we are also looking forward now for the next set of uh, Bible studies, uh, talking about education. It's very important to be educated, to know how to to lead others to Jesus Christ. And if I would like to mention just a couple of those uh, topics which we are going to deal in the in the future um education in the garden of eden you know god always had a plan in place for us all the family very important thing the family today it's exposed and uh, uh, we need to really be well prepared educated to face it the law as a teacher uh, the church and education the Christian at work, all those things we are going to deal with in the next uh, set of our Bible studies. Until then, may God richly bless you. And don't forget, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.